0: Hey y'all, welcome back to Project Black. We're so excited um, for this episode. It's been a while since the whole crew has been back together. A lot has happened, many changes and shifts, both in our private and public lives, um, that have been both really exciting and also very challenging. Uh, I know I'm super excited to catch up with all of you. So I think we it would be great if we all just started with a quick temperature check, like, how is everyone? Where are y'all at today, mentally, emotionally, physically? um what's going on with
1: everybody i'm doing i think i'm doing okay today i'm happy that it's a friday and here in boston it's the weather has gotten pretty cool so i love i love the cool fall weather so sad that summer is over but i'm excited for the cool fall weather but other than that today i'm okay
2: i'm glad it's friday Yeah, thank you for the check-in question. I wish it was 70, it's 90 degrees here, Um, so still feeling like summer. Um, But it's Friday, so I am not going to complain because this has been a long week. I just wrapped up an exam um, for medical school, so we just finished our cardiology and respiratory blocks, and so i feel like you know cardiology is a important topic but i don't know if it's for me i like cardio i don't know if it likes me back but we're gonna see when we get these grades next week so i'm looking forward to just a weekend to kind of de-stress we really only get like one day off because we already have homework for monday so i'm just gonna take tonight off and not think about anything so i'm happy to start the weekend off with you ladies
3: that's really nice. Uh honor that you decided to talk with us after your exam. Shout's to you. Um yeah, thanks again for the question. I'm I'm all right. I feel like um I'm feeling good because our company shut down for a week cuz we're just big on care, which I know is a topic for today, but that was really nice to sort of reset and re- restore um, especially because we're preparing for a pretty busy fall so on like a professional level which then implicates my personal life is like, if I'm able to take a break, it's feeling great, or I feel great. And then mentally, I'm, I'm here, you know, ebbs and flows. Um, I've been working with a trainer for a month now. So that's been kind of cool. Uh, She's <laughs> a funny story. She, um, I haven't seen her because I traveled. So I'm doing a two week sort of like quarantine to make sure you know, all things are okay. And she sent me some workouts. And I was like, okay, cool. Because I didn't have weights. And y'all, I had to do like three circuits. I was like, I, I could barely make it through the first and I've texted her and I was like, Hey, I'm not really sure what's going on. And she's like, these workouts are for beginners. With <laughs> the laughing emoji. And I was like, dang, like, right. But there's just like, all the various things that you try to do to make sure that you're fine. And sometimes you got to give yourself grace because you're not always going, you know what I'm saying? You're not always going to have it right. So that's how I'm showing
0: up for today's session. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, to all of you for sharing. Uh, For me, I've just been struggling to kind of just like set into a routine. Um, So I feel like now mentally I'm starting to, I want to nest. You know what I mean? I just feel like I've been on the go so much. So I've been in and out of like being present and being on autopilot, like, you know, career-wise, like things are just, it's happening regardless of what's happening in my personal life. And so I'm just trying to find, refine that balance between of like the things that I need to do and the things that I want to do that like, you know, my future self will think and my current self will think and all all of the things so that's uh that's where I'm at that's real thank you all for sharing so I think it's fair to
1: say at the very least that we've needed a lot of self-care over the past few months the past year and actually a year and a half now going on two years soon um but self-care always has this connotation of being superficial that it's all facials and pedicures and buying candles so according to the WHO, World Health Organization, they define self-care as the ability of individuals, families, and communities to promote their own health, prevent disease, maintain health, and to cope with illness and disability with or without the support of a health worker. So last year we shared a little bit about the ways we care for ourselves, but we're still processing the pandemic. So for you all, what's, let, what's changed in the way you view and practice self-care, if anything?
2: I don't know if this has changed, but like my first immediate thought um, was that, you know, self-care looks different for me week to week, depending on kind of like what Ryan said, the kind of ebb and flow of where I am professionally and personally. Um, so I I kind of adapt my self-care, which is not something I used to do. I think for me, I used to be a person who was just like, oh, yeah, relax, relax. Um, do watch netflix and that is your self care like i'm a person that it likes to get away by just um watching tv when i have free moments and so i tried to kind of vary a little bit how i approach self care i think because of the pandemic and having to really <laughs> reexamine the fatigue that was setting in for a lot of different areas of life like just kind of the mundane routine where you're losing kind of what day it is and so for that me, I had to switch up kind of how I approach self-care then too, right? I can't just keep doing the same thing for self-care. So eat week to week, like it switches it up. Like uh this week, self-care for me was not working out and not focusing on it because um it's been like Fatima, I've been trying to be more consistent about health behaviors that we've talked and touched upon in previous episodes, but Um, This week was a particularly stressful week just because there was a lot going on in school and then also with my family. And I knew I needed to exercise, but... Um I focused on getting movement in but I didn't stress myself out about getting to the gym so it was more focused on how can you just do active things throughout the day and not put so much pressure on yourself to get everything done on your to-do list cuz that just ain't going to work this week you got too much on your plate so girl do what you can and then you know next week we'll pick it back up and get back on schedule same thing with my diet I've been doing a little version of keto I don't call it keto completely cuz I ain't given up fruit I love fruit I think um and there are other foods that I just don't want to like limit myself and completely shut out. So I, though for the most part, changed how I um, eat in the last two months or so, and really, yeah, changing how I, how much pressure I put on myself, what things I allow myself, what focuses I have for the week has kind of evolved in the pandemic, as I've learned to just give myself grace to exist and show up how I can, because um, I am a perfectionist. And I think we can get into a rhythm of putting just a lot of pressure to be your best self every day. And sometimes I just don't work. I, sometimes I make decisions that aren't necessarily the best in one aspect of my life or some way, but that's where balance comes in. And then the next day, you just keep pushing. That was a long-winded answer. Sorry, y'all.
0: How about you, Brian? I think for me, it's, I think I've always been a person who was really big on boundaries, um, and I know y'all will laugh at that because <laughs> y'all say like, yo, when Ryan is out, like Ryan is out. Oh, <laughs> But I think what kind of the pandemic, boundaries in a different way, right? So like. Just because I'm home doesn't mean that I'm available or like having those conversations around family and friends. That's just like, you know, you don't always have to say why. And also even practicing those things at work, you know what I mean? Like normalizing, not having to explain what your PTO is for. Like, I don't need a reason, like you know what I mean? Yeah, and just like being okay with like, what is mine and what I need and not having to justify that to, to other people. And of course, that's not in like a standoffish way, but um I have felt in the past the need to over explain because I always want people to understand. You know what I mean? So I think that's been like a really big theme in self care for me. And also, kind of just a shift in mindset. I've been really intentional about not either or thinking, but neither thinking. Like, I don't have to choose between the lesser of two evils it is, I can just opt out, right, (laughs) and sometimes that means, like, choosing yourself in really tough situations, but the alternative was me accepting something that wasn't going to fulfill me fully, or it felt like I had to compromise things that I wasn't willing to compromise on to appease another person, like, you know what I mean, so definitely being a little bit more standing my ground in that sense um has done a lot for self-care for me and has brought me a lot of peace and that's when I know that like okay Ryan like you're making the right decision because it's not like you set this boundary now you have anxiety it's like you're sleeping at night you know what I mean so those are kind of like the two main themes that have been reoccurring for me
1: I think for me pre-pandemic self-care was you know being at home and just taking time for myself but when work became you know when work came to home it became hard to like separate those two things and even sometimes now it is i'm challenging to separate my work life from my home life um just because they're all in the same place in my room um but i think that going into the office a couple days a week is a way that i practice self-care because it allows me to just kind of leave work at work and have just kind of like a routine um, because that's you know that's the way I practice self care. Routine is something that is something that I need. So motivation to get up and like you know make make sure I get up early to catch the 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 tea versus just you know waking up thirty minutes before work. Like that motivation um, has been um, pushing me to feel like more present. Um, let's see. Yeah, and I think also understanding how other people practice self-care too and just getting grace if people you know have boundaries on how they want to hang out or if they're not as responsive and understanding that too has been important and also you know understanding my own boundaries around going out and like sometimes I'll see a text and I'll like want to respond but then I'm like and then you know I get distracted from something else or I'm too tired to respond and I'm like I care about you I just I just don't have the capacity right now. I've been doing emails all day. I'm tired. So I think just understanding to give grace to myself and give grace to others, too, um, has been really important.
3: Plus one to what everyone said, like everything I I can pick out, like a few things that also resonates with me. Um, And in addition to what's been said for me over the past year, since we last talked about self-care and various ways of caring, I've been asking myself questions and asking for what i need right so over with the last couple of months i bought a home i'm now home owner woo right that like that's exciting (laughs) yeah right um and and excited about the opportunity and it was definitely hard to just make that transition because i'm also living with family and what that meant was like prioritizing myself which sometimes can be difficult when you're sharing space with multiple people, especially when being in a different culture and a different generation. And so self-care has looked like, like asking for what I need. And as much as I love to facilitate and I'm always like sharing prompts and asking people to share what they need, especially in the workplace or in their life, One thing I've noticed is that sometimes it's hard for me to ask for what I need because oftentimes I'm the one that people are asking what they need. So that's a muscle that I've had to flex. And we get, you know, we get a little bulky now (laughs) because it's like, okay, you can do it. You can say it because I think part of caring for yourself is also being vulnerable enough to know when you need time or when you can't hang out at nighttime and watch a movie with your teenage nieces or when you're like, okay, I'm going out for the weekend or it's a good time for me to take a walk. So that also means checking in with myself consistently because I've been living for the most part by myself for the past five years. And so that transition has really shown a lot about me, right? Like what are some behaviors that I thought, um, had deceased or were dormant and how they show up depending on where I am or what environment I'm in. And then it just, I'm grateful for like the internal compass that says like, okay, that's that's the work, right? And there's no judgment. It's just like, let, let me witness when I get like a little stiff or, you know, emotional or my heart is racing or my palms are sweating because I'm like, oh, I don't want to ask for this because there's this like unset expectation that like everyone should know what care means for me. And even with your own family, that's not the case, right? Like you have to share with how you want to be cared for or loved. And that's part of my own work too, to honor my needs. So That's one big thing that's changed over time in the way that I view and practice self-care. And then the, the next piece of it is really, like you all said, giving myself grace. There's, it's interesting, like working remotely and being at home. In my head, I'm like, well, I'm not doing much, right? Like, before I would be going out, I would go to events, and I had so much more on my schedule. And there's something about just sitting in front of the computer for hours and sending emails or like getting on your phone. Like, you're consistently on screens throughout the day. And I feel like that does something to your energy, right? Like, it's just sort of like, I know I didn't talk to anyone physically and I didn't leave the house. And I'm tired, right? So, what does it mean to be okay to shut things down and not feel guilty um, for not responding? Which, to be fair, that's always been a thing for me before the pandemic, um, and even a year ago. But yeah, I think those are some of the things that I've noticed in terms of change.
0: One hundred, yeah. I don't want to hear nothing about the pandemic with you because to get an answer from Fatima, you gotta join the wait list. All right, that's it. There's a cue. <laughs> <laughs> then like I said I when I know I had a text Fatima I give 72 hours before I need a response it's so <laughs> bad I'm getting I got
3: I think like I got a little bit better maybe yeah, you okay, have <laughs> Okay, okay like I'm you're, all, check
0: in. you're a homeowner now <laughs> right I gotta respond
3: <laughs> no but you're um, right
0: <laughs> but something that you said that I, I definitely want to follow up on is that I know for me like I've been thinking about how kind of self care was kind of thrust into the spotlight once covid hit and you know before when i think of self care it was definitely like the yoga like it was for like a certain demographic of people right and so i'm interested in how y'all's families and cultures kind of have responded to this self care movement and and not in a way that's like that it's on tv now or whatever but like how it actually comes up in real life like how are y'all families like responding when it's like i don't have the capacity for this or i need to take a walk i need 5 minutes to myself like when in some cultures like it's like what do you ta- what are you ta- what are you talking about like <laughs> what do you mean especially like if you come from a different culture that's very like Um, family oriented and community based a lot of the criticism that we get as if you're American is that it's so individualistic and so the self-care movement can be very individualistic so I'm interested to hear y'all's thoughts and like how you've seen those reactions across like your own personal experiences or things that you've witnessed.
3: I I love these questions because it really helps me sort of reflect on the ways that I'm still connected to my culture specifically as it relates to my upbringing and the ways that I've also found my own truth and what that means for me and how I can merge the two together. I think if anything, you know, being a child of West African immigrants, I don't know if the the concept of self-care is widely understood or at least talked about very much in the collective care for sure. Um, But in the moments that I've seen my mom or my siblings practice self care before it became like a hot topic um, might be a moment where my mom might just like cook her favorite food and it's like, even when she's cooking her favorite food though she's sharing it with the rest of the house right so it's like this idea that I'm going to enjoy this and it doesn't hurt for me to enjoy this with other people, or how do I, it doesn't have to be either or, it can be both and like, how do I enjoy caring for myself with other people participating in that care or witnessing that care? Um, Or it could be around medications or health, right? So it's like, oh, I'm gonna drink this type of tea every single day, or I'm gonna eat this fruit every single day, it's like the little things, at least within my family, that we don't necessarily have to name as self-care, we just see it being done. And that's translated to me where I'm like, okay, what do I need to do for myself? Or how do, how am I noticing some changes? What do I love about those changes? What am I not so in love with? And what are some adjustments that I need to make? And that means that, you know, some of those strategies, or at least for me, has always been questioning. So even though if the family doesn't ask, like, how do you feel, Fatima? Because, like, to your point, right, sometimes it's not about you or, like, people don't understand this concept of, like, you need time. It's been me doing that questioning for myself, modeling that, and then they see that, and now they do the same for me. So it really goes back to what I said earlier, where I've had to be vulnerable enough to be, like, I'm not going to judge you and say, oh, because you're my family or because you're my mom, you're supposed to know what, what to do and what not to do. I'm going to see you as a human in all of the rights that you've gained to be a full human and share what I need, right? And so a lot of the strategies in the in the past have been like asking questions or a prompt jar. I talked about this last year, but I love prompts. I take them everywhere with me from like the emails I send <laughs> at work to writing down prompts for the month or for the week and randomly pulling them out Um, because being curious is what allows me to know like where I need to touch base on or or who I need to touch
0: base with I love that and I know it's definitely um, I definitely resonate with the whole um, seeing your parents as humans and taking off that expectation of like You're just supposed to know everything. Um, (laughs) A quick sidebar. I just had a conversation with my dad a few weeks ago about this when he asked me, like, what do you need? How do you need for me to show up to you? And the daughter, Ryan, was like, are you asking me how to be a father? Like, (laughs) you know, but like logical, Ryan was like, how amazing is it to have a father to, to be able to admit I don't know what you need as a 26 year old woman, I need help. I want to be here, but I need you to help me so we can get there. And so like daughter Ryan and like human Ryan who recognizes that like my dad's also a person, it's been like a battle (laughs) trying to like navigate that with him because it's like, you know, letting go of the expectation of like, why did things seem to be so effortless when I was younger and now you're asking me how you need me now you know what I mean so changing dynamics I just I love I love how you've always hit on all the things because I think a lot of people struggle with that and it's self that that is part of self-care too is like not only navigating changing dynamics but maintaining those relationships and as we go older like sometimes self-care is tough conversations with your parents, you know what I mean? Um, no matter if it's obligations, expectations, or just like, you know, coming into your own as an adult, you know what I mean? And, and making your own decisions and meeting your own space and them having confidence that, you know, they raised dope daughters, you know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah, you know, they gotta let people explore for sure. Can, can we bring Kim? just can, can we invite your
3: father to, <laughs> to one of the episodes okay like who right like that questioning and I, i'm sure that's probably processing for him too to to be that self reflective to know that like yeah i'm a father but i might not know everything like there's power in that um so i love that you shared that and like we got to get him on here <laughs>
0: i'll uh, i'll ask to we put on his wait list too <laughs> all right what about you Darren Bree yeah, no, I, I I love what your father
1: said. That's amazing. Um, I think for me, um, I thought a lot about my grandma and like she's, well, she's not working anymore; she's retired. Um, but I think about the way she practices self care. And to me, it seems like she practices self care a lot in community, like having people over like she's the type of person who leaves her door open 24 seven to my mom's, (laughs) not to my mom's, uh, what's the word? She does not want her to leave the door open, even though my mom is like always calling like, make sure you close the door. She's like, no, no. But she loves having people over to come visit, even just to sit with her. And she has like um, solar power. So people sometimes come over to like uh, charge their phones. So I would say when I think of self-care, I think of her. She practices self-care in community, like being around people, Watching TV, drinking wine, like, you know, she's chilling. I'm just like, dang, is that what retirement's like? I'm trying to, I'm trying to, <laughs> shoot, let the, <laughs> I'm trying to be like that. So, yeah, so that's what I think about when I think about self-care. community and self care.
3: So are we going to invite her too?
1: Because
3: <laughs> <laughs> she sounds chill. It'll
1: well, speak English. So, oh, well so okay. and I can speak your about a little bit. So it'll be a rough translation.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, I'm thinking because I'm reflecting on what y'all have said about like family, because I think I'm similar to Fatima or at least my family is in the sense of they do things to take care of themselves that they don't necessarily name as self-care. But I think those of us who understand the practice of it is that's what it is, Um, because if I ask my mom right now, do you practice self-care? She's going to be like, I go to sleep like she's I don't think she'll ever (laughs) she's like, I like to cook. (laughs) Um, I like to do crossword puzzles, but in her mind, like when she's doing them, it's just things that she enjoys. It's not necessarily doing it for the sake of self-care. So that is an interesting conversation, just how like, I think there's been this shift in our generation to really focus on, on doing things that make us happy and not just necessarily because it's the way things have been done. And that means like setting boundaries, for instance, because I'm thinking specifically about my sister and how part of what she's done to we'll just say we've all talked about the importance of counseling and therapy and everything in our family. And I think some of the lessons that she's gotten back from going to therapy is that um, there is an importance for setting boundaries, especially with your loved ones and the people that care about you, um, especially if you live with them. And so for my sister and some of my nieces, I think they really emphasize barriers as like self-care, like putting boundaries up understanding like the things that you need and then voicing it and being okay to voice it that's something that we didn't necessarily do our family's very close. We always hang out. So if somebody wants to do something or somebody needs you to be there, you kind of are there. And now we've gotten to the point where we're like, no, I can't make it or I'm not available, rain check. And that's not something that we've done in the past. And I think at first, when we first started putting up these boundaries, it's like, well, okay, then I guess like, also that's how it is. And now it's like, no, I'll do what you need to do. We'll catch up the next time. And so my family has done better at setting self-care as a precedent for like the the generations to come and like really instilling it in the younger ones, Um, especially like my little cousins. We also teach them to to kind of, I think cause self-care, a lot of times when you're thinking about these boundaries is emotional regulation. So it's really trying to put a, a voice to that as well and change how we communicate with each other. But yeah, my mom, no, I'm trying to get her her self-care to be a little bit more proactive um, just because you as you get older and we know Black women go through stress, we know it puts a wear and tear on your body. And I want her to understand that you know, all that stress she carries with her can lead to poor health outcomes and worsen her heart conditions or any other kind of con- chronic conditions. And so when you need a break, take a break and do these things because you enjoy them and don't let anybody interrupt that time that you set for yourself. Okay, <laughs> to me. Listen, <laughs> I was about to say, y'all can't see their response, but everybody like, okay, off mic. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize <laughs> that was a, a mic drop moment.
3: Sure. You, you know when like a black woman about to like just drop the mic when like the last few words she speaks pretty quickly because it's just like <laughs> I know exactly what I'm about to say and like before you drop the mic, he was like, and, and it is what it is.
2: <laughs> and that's bad that on that.
0: <laughs> so Fatima, you had mentioned earlier kind of like being like following your your internal compass and like honoring your internal compass. So. I don't know. I'm just struggling with the fact that, like, I I don't want to say I love that the government's doing this, but it's great to see, I guess, on a federal level <laughs> that, you know, self-care is, is not just from the bottom up, but a top down, right? Like, the World Health Organization acknowledges it. Like, all these different, like, associations and agencies, like... They, they are acknowledging this. And that doesn't mean that it's valid, right? Or that doesn't mean that it wasn't valid until they acknowledged it, but kind of like what role does self-care play in public health? Like, how do we feel about the fact that now it's such a conversation and, you know, it's such a hot topic when a lot of people and a lot of communities have been practicing this in some form or way, way before this ever happened and especially when it doesn't fit into the definition that we think it does, when it's not like, you know, the frilly, super, and there's, there's room for pedicures and spas and facials, and like, you know what I mean, there's room for all of that too, but it's like, I just see such a tension, especially in the workplace, when it's just like, you have, depending on what generation you're a part of, maybe some people from certain generations are like, it's just pish posh. What do you mean you need to breathe for 15 minutes? Like why, why do we have meditations in the middle of the day? Just get your work done. Like people are doing it for centuries, for decades, like just work, you know what I mean? And then you have different generations that are coming up that are like, I quit them. Like, like you're not going to honor it. Like it's, cool, like you need me more than I need you. And we're seeing that with like, it's so hard to even keep employment. So um, yeah, that was a long winded way of just asking, like, what are y'all thoughts on like, the fact that there is this push on so many different levels, when there have been existing modes and modalities of self care?
2: I have a thought, because I think it is, it definitely is more mainstream, and it becomes a, a big part of conversations. And I it like, what made me think of kind of the systemic approach was um, our recent kind of conversations we've been having at school. Um, So we actually had a session where they just let us meditate for like coursework and which is, I think, unheard of in medical school, like um, curriculum, right? There's not a lot of time. There's just not a lot of space. This is very kind of high paced environment. But they recognize that to change the status quo and to kind of re- assess how we approach medicine and how we can be the best doctors is to to be the best people and to show up in our best selves. And to do that, we have to kind of have that temperature check to understand where we are and kind of what we need and to have these kind of um, self-care practices like meditation actively being done so that you don't bring in all the baggage from previous patients you don't bring in all the baggage because you're having a bad day or you don't bring in baggage because of whatever else is going in your life when you have these interactions with people and I think this can be applied to a lot of areas and a lot of different um, jobs or career paths or what have you so with medicine, the fact that they've understood now that meditation is important for students and to prevent burnout, it's now kind of a trending thing, um, at least maybe some of the newer schools to have it be really emphasized throughout the curriculum. And so we were impressed, but also like, it just, it feels like finally people are understanding that, yeah, no, we're not going to accept that, you know, you don't make concessions for people's mental health and to be make concessions for people to be able to take breaks when they need to. Um, If you want us to continue to have high productivity and high morale. So it comes hand in hand. And to do really show that you're about, you got to be about it. And I think emphasize and give opportunities and take from other things. There's not enough time in the curriculum, right? But you can take time and give us this time to really teach us how to do it and then let us practice it and That's a way that different organizations, I think, can show because the federal government is one space, but a lot of jobs are going to, I think, be forced to to reckon with kind of this shift and like, yeah, now we're we're expecting this as like kind of just basic benefits and culture of this position. And if it's not, then this ain't the place for me. So there I'm happy that it's happening at a federal level because it means that there is a a change in culture that allows it to be brought up and not be just pushed as like, oh, these spoiled millennials or oh, these spoiled um, people who just think that they have a right to these type of services. And for what reason, when there's just a lot of um, research and also people reporting back that after their jobs or their schools implement this, students are happier, people are happier, work production goes up, blah, 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 because it just really benefits a lot of different areas. So that's the immediate thought I had.
1: That's great. And I think it's wonderful that they're like, normalizing it at your school. Um, So at work, they've, um, so my boss instituted this thing where like from 12 to one, there's no meetings, no emails during that time. Um, Because she, I think talking to people, talking to people, she noticed that people were, you know, working through their lunch. So she was like, okay, as an office from 12 to 1, no emails, no messages on Teams, um, no meetings internally or externally. And I think it was great because it really creates like a culture of like taking at least one hour during your day to yourself to eat, do or do whatever you got to do. So I think um, that's important. And even like bureau wide, um, the director, she she sent out a survey and a lot of people said that they're overwhelmed with all of these Zoom WebEx meetings. So she did like a a pilot, no meeting holds, Monday 9 to 12 and Friday 12 to 5. And then we did it. And then like a few months later, she sent out an email and like people loved it. They felt like their producti- productivity went up to have those like spaces in their calendar where like you cannot, well, you can, but like, just like intentional holds that where like, this is my time to like catch up on work stuff or other stuff and not to have that as meeting time and to like really be intentional about asking yourself, like, does this meeting need to be a meeting? Could it just be handled in the email? So I think um at work that's forced me to also be, be more intentional and like critical of like meetings too. And like, even before a meeting, I'll be like, oh, what's the agenda of this um, meeting? Just to kind of push us to like, do we even need to have a meeting? Do we have an update? If no, let's you know cancel or reschedule. So um, I think I think it's really important to to continue to have these conversations about self care and for us to hold like the institutions that we're part of to like that this is important. That you know it's not going to decrease our productivity, but it'll actually you know make us better as employees, make us better people. Yada yada
3: yes shouts to the hey we might not need this meeting listen <laughs> because that in itself is like you centering yourself and then like that's amazing for your colleagues who might be thinking the same thing but they don't like want to say it so that's awesome dar you know as you all are talking about like workplaces is one part of the institution it's just beautiful to see how public health even if people aren't naming it public health is being weaved into various aspects of institutions Um, because as we always say like public health is everything and i think probably spending a little bit of time talking about like even healthcare models and how self-care is being used as a framework is interesting because at some point you know eve with the doctor to patient relationship a lot of times the patient wasn't always centered in terms of care, right? It's like the doctor makes a decision on behalf of you and like you sometimes get to decide, but you don't. And I think this self-care model, you know, even though we mentioned that it's something that, that has existed before it was given this name, what it does is that it centers us as patients, clients, whatever terminology um, we like to use, but it centers us, which means that we are asking better questions, right? We're asking questions, not just about, hey, did you take your medication? But like, how is the household? Or what are some things or stress stressors that are impacting your health? And I've seen that change as a patient, right? Like what were the questions doctors were asking me when I was 12, 15 to like 18 to my age now? And I'm realizing that as the culture shifts, our institutions also shift. As much as that's beautiful, I think the challenge of that is that when we stop at self-care, we don't always recognize the other aspects of care that might be impacting our day to day, right? So even to the conversation around workplaces or institutions, whenever I host a workshop or I facilitate a workshop, we talk about self-care and move into collective and structural care because what we're also seeing is that a lot of companies are spending so much money on like meditation apps and like You know, you get a discount to go to the gym so you can stay healthy. And it's really like this business case for your employees to be healthy. And it's limited because they're not changing things structurally. So if I'm going to, if I'm meditating, but I have back-to-back meetings, and I I don't take PTO, I don't really have vacation, or there isn't a work-life balance for me, how much is this push for self-care actually doing? And I think that's the challenge that I'm seeing, you know, within the workplaces. And then when we go back to the public health space, specifically in like healthcare settings, it's like, okay, if things like taking my medication or taking birth control are considered forms of self-care, What's the role of the people around me or my community? And the onus is oftentimes on that individual person, which isn't always easy for everybody, especially if you grew up in a culture or in a community where you're not the one that makes the decisions on your own or you're relying on someone else. To pay for those medications because you can't afford them, right? And so there's this model where it's it's a beautiful framework, and the more we can expand it, I think the the stronger it can be, not just for individuals, but also
0: like as a collective. No, I think it's 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 definitely all of this has definitely shifted workplaces, schools, education systems in general. Um, We've also seen like just remodels, Um, you know, we were talking about med school before, but even in like the K through 12 system, like I think, and this was a few years ago, even pre-COVID, some schools being kind of ahead of the curve and not giving detentions anymore, but giving like time to meditate and like reframing um, how to let children adjust and going back to Bree's point about emotional regulation and not like shaming when you can't emotionally regulate yourself um emotionally regulate yourself but uh even teaching little kids just like the power of meditation and boundaries and i think we've also seen that in parenting too um i know we're shifting gears a little bit but i know among my sisters my sisters are um early 30s both have children um and they're both around like nine, 10 now, but even when they were little eight years ago, like they were very, very vocal about like, if my son says no, like he doesn't want a hug, like he doesn't have to give a hug, right? And so like, it's just so interesting to see how like generations are, all these shifts are happening simultaneously and in different areas and in different ways to empower people. And it's just so interesting where it's like, children always have that internal compass and they are always true to it, no matter whether we like it or not, or whether it seemed polite or not. Um, But I feel like where the most resistance comes is from adults where it's like, cause you have to unlearn it. And sometimes being back in touch with your internal compass and honoring that is really hard because society taught kind of like F how you feel, this is what needs to be done. And so I think we're just in a really interesting point in time where all of these things are colliding and there's a lot of friction, but also a lot of progress, um, which I think is an exciting time to to be in, especially, you know, just for us as individuals, but also as public health practitioners.
2: The other um, thought I had, thank you for sharing that Ryan, I'm shifting gears back before I lose this thought, um, was about how like the conversation I think we started was around like policy change and like how does the federal government kind of co-opt in the movement like uh, like how do we feel about that and I was just thinking because I know when we talk about like policy or like systemic change within organizations um like what does that mean and should do you start with the policy first or do you start with like changing the culture and then the culture changes the policy and I think I've, the conversations I've had, with especially like physicians who've done a lot of work around hospital change, hospital systems, or uh, working with insurance or other kind of um, systems that are really ingrained in like this is how we do it and and with generations not the same no ageism but just like understanding that people have a way of doing things and with the world we live in now things change all the time and they're not always comfortable with that so I do always come back to this point of culture is sometimes harder to change than policies just and so I think the policies though when you do change those first you kind of open up the conversation and so because yeah, my boss would always talk about how, like, you're fighting policy, you're fighting attitudes, but you're fighting the culture. And that's people don't always think about how, like, changing the culture is a process that is not quick and it's not as easy as just, like, let's adopt a new policy. And so I that's why I do appreciate that they, like it's co-opted in a sense. And like, we're naming things or we're naming like yoga comes up all the time, but the more it becomes mainstream conversations, the easier I think it is to change the culture. So that's a point that, you know, has to happen as well on the other end.
3: I just want to hop be like, come on with policy one-on-one. Cause that's, that's spot on, right? Like whenever we talk about window of opportunity, that's the point to bring in policy. And once that happens, people have to adopt it now, right? Like even simple things like the seatbelt, like people are like, you're not gonna tell me how to drive my car, right? <laughs> but over time it becomes a cultural value, right? Like it's like, okay, safety is a value and therefore this is why this policy makes sense. But if that's not a value for you, that's, what the, that's why the change takes time. In addition to like, you might want that change, but like you are still conditioned to everything that you've learned in the past. So the momentum to want change doesn't mean it will happen because we all know that theory doesn't equal change in behavior. So it's like, okay, here's what the policy says, but here I'm about to struggle with my, like my bias or like the ways I did things before because like we're humans, right? And it, like humans create culture. So I, yeah, I love that you said that because that, that just makes me geek out whenever I hear like culture
0: versus policy. Also, I love how you brought up values. Like, And that was, I think it was definitely like more of a, an understated theme, but it's like when we talk about culture and communities, it's like, it does come down to like what you value. And it was framed earlier as like individual versus collective, but values have such a broad, it has a range, you know what I mean? And people, we fight about values all the time. On po- political levels, on <laughs> social levels, on personal levels, like people are driven by values. And lately, especially in the political space, it's it's been a lot. Especially with, you know, um, what was it Texas that just passed that that abortion ban? Like, yeah, values. It values and culture and policy. You can't look at one without the other. And Thank you, Ray and Fatima, for bringing that up because I feel like that's that's so important.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say since keeping it on public health, I can't talk about Texas and policies right now. Uh, that's that ain't <laughs> that ain't self care. That's gonna stress me out. That's another conversation for another day because we got lots of work to do here. Bro,
0: I yes, hundred percent. Different conversation for a different day for sure. Um, with that, does anybody have any like closing thoughts, reflections? <laughs>
2: I was just thinking I missed last year's episode on Fall Into Care, but I know that was a really popular episode. Of course, people resonated. And so I guess just shifting, we're moving into a new season. We like to talk about seasons or opportunities for change. What are y'all looking forward to for this fall um, as it relates to self-care in general? That's just like a wrap-up question. Give me some ideas. I'm not going to lie. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> So I was saying, yes, I'll just let me repeat it uh, so you can just keep this part. So, um, yeah, I know last year I missed the episode that we did on self-care. It was falling into self-care and people really resonated with that episode for a lot of reasons. And so I guess my follow up question or just like kind of closing question is, what do y'all have planned for the fall? Are y'all looking forward to it? Will your self-care change? Fall's a really cool season, Um, I miss the Boston and the New England weather of fall. But I think for me, I'm looking forward to uh, cooler temperatures and just being able to get outside a little bit more. Um, So that's kind of, I guess, my reflection. And I'll keep thinking if y'all have anything. It can be related to self-care in general. All
0: right, I'll go. (laughs) For me, what I'm looking forward to, I think, is really just like reflecting on the past year for me. Um, my birthday is in October something y'all something snapped in me when I turned 26 like I don't know what happened I was just I feel like this is the I feel like the past year for me like birthday to birthday has had I've seen the most growth um I feel like I've really come into my own like as a woman and just feeling like so confident in that and and what I want and what I need and and areas of adjustments and what I want to change and what Fatima was saying earlier, like what I'm in love with and what I'm not so in love with. So I think like, you know, my birthday's in a couple of weeks. I think I'm really just in more of a reflective state. And that's really like what self-care is for me right now that it's like, Ryan, like oh, you have changed a lot in the past year and what, what have you seen as a positive and what areas still have room for improvement um, so I've just been reflecting on that a lot and trying to, I guess, like a, a prompt that I've had in my head. I don't know how to articulate this. I'm always thinking of like, what is the ideal day of the woman I want to become? Like, what is her routine? Like, what does she do? What does she invest her time in? What does she invest her energy in? And if that isn't aligned with what I'm doing now, then I kind of go back to the drawing board. So I'm continuously working towards who I want to become and. I think that's been a really hard self care strategy it's it's made me confront a lot of things about myself things that you know aren't so healthy and things that are (laughs) healthy. (laughs) Things that you know um, confronting a lot of like insecurities and just things that I want to work on things that I want to change and also things that i'm proud of so yeah. I don't know, man, but something about 26, something something snapped. So, I'm excited for what the next year will have in store and I'm just trying to mentally get myself in that that headspace for that.
3: I love all of that. That just made my heart warm. <laughs> um, I think for me, you know, I have some goals um and I've been working with my therapist to like do bite-sized goals because I live in the world of imagination and the world of possibilities, which is a beautiful thing. And if you do that on a consistent basis, (laughs) it can be overwhelming because it's like, there's so many possibilities. And as millennials on this episode, culturally we grew in the age of like, things have to happen now. And a lot of things have to be happening now. And I'm working through what that means for me. How do I take bite-sized chunks of like this long list of possibilities and feel okay with it, right? And so I'm really excited about the unfolding. I don't know what that process is going to look like. Look alike what? <laughs> I don't know what that process is going to look like. Um, but it's exciting because I've planted seeds and continue to plant seeds of the, the areas that I want to learn more about myself in. And one of the things that continues to come up for me or what I've been reflecting on, especially in this month is how do I learn to, how do I learn to get to the destination before I'm even there, right? And what I mean by that is like, instead of being anxious, but having like this unshakable faith that things will work out, And so the anxiety around like needing to get there and what is it going to look like everything will unfold just like everything has in the past and that has never proven to be untrue and so how do i carry that into the into the present into the future of like you want to do all these things and it will and so shall it be right and so how do you sort of like be at peace with that process that, that's sort of exciting for me in a really weird way, I think, because <laughs> like, not. I know it's not going to be easy, um, but yeah.
1: Thank you. I mean, I think I'm still reflecting on Ryan's point on what does the typical day of my ideal self look like? Is that what you said? Something like that. Um, so actually, I, I'm going to marinate on that a little bit more. But on a surface level, what I'm looking forward to fall is all the fall treats, I think I might have said this last year as well, Um, but it still stands. I'm looking forward to all the holidays. I'm looking forward to snow, a little bit of snow, not a lot of snow, but a little bit of snow is nice. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what 2022 looks like and seeing all the possibilities of the new year. And
0: yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Where 100 were saying, I have to pull up that clip about you talking about pies. (laughs) Because the second you said I'm like, yeah, she did put on like a pie rant one day. Insert (laughs) timestamp.
2: Thank y'all for answering that. And I'll just, I guess, wrap it up by saying kind of what I was thinking, because this is really exciting. Also, throwback to Fatima and I trying to learn how to swim before your girl COVID, like, took our whole kind of thunder and just rained all over it, <laughs> um, but I just signed up for swim classes again, and so I'm super excited about um, learning how to swim this fall and hopefully utilizing those skills in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm doing a little bit of traveling if COVID gets some right. and if y'all get some right and get vaccinated, come on, public health, just a little plug. Get your vaccinations that good like call me if you got questions um i would <laughs> love for the world to kind of get back to a new normal if we can get a handle on this this pandemic in the twenty twenty two. So I am looking forward to hopefully positive changes and and I understand. Let me just say, and let me go back. I'm not blaming people for not getting vaccinated. I understand the hesitancy, but I am seriously on a serious note here to answer questions because I think that's how we for sure move forward and um, making sure we keep our community safe. And lastly, for me personally, on a personal note and self-care wise, I am trying to be better about not putting so much pressure because I think I told you I had hypertension. I just learned a stage kind of one based on the guidelines in my cardio class. But I know part of it was just a lot of stress for everything that's happened in the last year for my family and personally and then just school because I do, I think, want to be a really good physician and take really good care of my patients. And sometimes that means I don't, give myself the academic kind of grace that I give myself grace in other areas of my life. Um, so I'm happy I had this conversation with y'all after the test. Like I can already tell my cortisone levels have gone down in the last 45 minutes that we've been on the call. Um, and so I look forward to just I'm um, what and I'm working to actively kind of remove some of that pressure to do well. And you know, there will be days where I don't necessarily get all the questions right and that's okay. And I don't have to let affect me physically. So that's something I'm going to work on for the remainder of the semester. And I think in my career as well, work in progress. So I appreciate y'all. Do we have a wrap up segment that we're doing? I think that's it. That's it. (laughs) You think, oh, can we just like, you know, have a meta moment and say thank you listeners for um, sticking with us. We know we've kind of been absent and doing a little bit of deep Um, conversations around where we want this podcast to go and how we are recommitting um, and reflecting on how to move forward and continue to bring you conversations to your living room your car wherever you're listening and so thank you all this is an episode that's going to be the first in a while so we hope y'all tune in and if you made it this far thank you for hanging out with us and we look forward to coming back because we are blackout
3: blackout (laughs) blackout
2: (laughs) Yes.
3: Yes. yes, closing. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Project Black. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, don't forget to share, rate, and subscribe. To stay connected,
1: follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Until next time, take it easy and keep bridging the things that matter the most to you. Blackout. Blackout.